you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study. For this show, we're going to talk about seven truths of God and the seven counterfeits of Satan. We're going to look at seven of the most important things that the Bible teaches, but how Satan in our culture now is shrewdly twisting things and making a counterfeit of each. So it's kind of an important sermon. Uh, you need to hear every word, <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we live in a, a culture today that is so deceived in so many ways. The media is just filling each of us with so many deceptions. We would pray now you would open our ears and hearts, open my mouth, and Lord, speak to us about your truth. Help us overcome the deception and lies of the devil. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me take you through seven truths of God's word and then how the devil is lying to each of us on them. Truth number one, the Trinity. The Bible teaches there's one God in three equal and eternal persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The last words that Jesus said on earth were, Disciples, go ye therefore, baptize them in the name singular of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Trinity? It's crucial you believe in the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses at your door will say, well, the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible. They're right. The concept of the Trinity is everywhere in the Bible. Uh, and I don't assume that even lifelong churchgoers get it. <laughs> I, mean, I remember early in my ministry, one night I'm teaching on the Trinity. An 80-year-old man puts up his hand and says, what do you mean Jesus is God? I thought he was the Son of God. And I said, he is the Son of God. He's also God the Son. And here's a man who I think had been in church his whole life, didn't understand that Jesus is eternally God with the Father and the Spirit. So um, it's crucial, whatever church you go to, I hope you go to church, that you're going to a church that believes in the Trinity. All right, that's the truth. Let's talk about Satan's counterfeit. Here's Satan's counterfeit. Reimagine God. There was a horrible conference here way back in the 1990s called the Reimagining God Conference. And liberal Protestants and Catholics came from all over the country and they decided we don't want to worship the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's too sexist. That's too patriarchal language for God. We want to worship the goddess Sophia so we can worship God as a woman, as a female. Big conference. Who says we are, we have the right to reimagine who God is. We don't make God, he made us. <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you this. I, I left the ELCA Lutheran Church years ago. One of the reasons being, I remember our Lutheran bishop getting in front of the con convention. Today I opened the convention in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
That's not in the Bible. You know, I went to a Lutheran church near my house uh, for a service a while ago. The woman preacher gets up and she talks about a, a troubled woman that came to her for counseling. And, and so I counseled this woman, she said, and, and she had a difficult relationship with her father. So I told her, you know, it's difficult for you to relate to God as your father. So why don't you to pray, pray to God, the mother? <laughs> and I got mad. And, and you know what? Here's a dear woman who needs, desperately needs a loving Heavenly Father, and this pastor just took him away from her. You know, look, uh, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and if, you're, if you're an ELCA Lutheran and you have the new Cranberry Hymnal in your church, they've desexed all of the Psalms. They've taken all the masculine references for God, which are many in the Bible. They got rid of the Psalms with, with the masculine references. I went to a United Methodist Church last Sunday. I knew it was going to be bad because it's a very liberal church. They desexed the scripture readings, made sure that God didn't come off as a he. They also changed the doxology. Instead of praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they left off God the Father. And, and so here's the deal. If you're going to a church where they're embarrassed to name the name of God, they're embarrassed to worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, find another church. Next truth. Salvation is by Jesus Christ alone. Jesus himself said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, period. And the apostles preach the same thing in Acts chapter 4. Peter is preaching and he says, there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. So a hugely important teaching is there aren't thousands of ways to God. There's one way to God. His name is Jesus. That's the truth. Now let's hear Satan's counterfeit. And all these counterfeits, sadly, are in the church now. Here's the counterfeit. Many paths lead to God. This is from a United Methodist bishop. Gratefully, he's retired. Bishop Joseph Sprague said, I dissent from the Christocentric exclusives which teach that Jesus is the only way of God's salvation. This is an arrogant claim. Well, no, Bishop, it's arrogant of you to say that Jesus is wrong and you're right. Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the only way to heaven. Who's being arrogant, Bishop? Years ago, when I was still an ELCA Lutheran, we went to the Lutheran convention. It was always pretty awful. So there's a Jewish Christian workshop that I attended. And I knew it was going to be bad because the pastor is a pretty radical guy. And he taught Jews are saved by the Old Testament. Christians are saved by the New Testament. But we're all saved. So we went up afterwards. And my buddy says to him, but Jesus is the only way to heaven for Jew and Gentile, according to the Jewish Apostle Paul. And, and what do you do with the, the verses on that and on hell? And this Lutheran pastor said, there is no hell. <laughs> okay, then tear all those pages out of the Bible. Listen, Jesus is the only way to heaven. If he isn't, if all the roads lead to God, tell me why the early Christians died for their faith. I mean, if everybody goes to heaven and Buddhism and Hinduism and everything else works, I'm not going to die for Christianity, but if Jesus is the only Savior, then I'll die. Jesus said the way is narrow that leads to life. Few are they that find it. The way is large that leads to destruction. Many are they that find that. Next truth of God's word. 
Jesus' death was the sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Romans chapter 3, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, which simply means that I deserve God's anger for my sin, but instead Jesus lives a perfect life so he has no sin, so he can bear the wrath and anger of God against my sin on the cross. He pays our sin debt. He, he dies in our place so we can be forgiven. Beautiful teaching, central to the Bible, central to the Christian church for 2,000 years. Well, lately, this doctrine is under attack. And here's the lie of the devil today. God would not punish Jesus or us. God is just this big, loving marshmallow. He wouldn't hurt a fly. He's not going to send anybody to hell. God is love, 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 love. He's not going to punish Jesus for our sins. He's not going to punish us for our sins. And that's a lie of the devil. God is a holy God. He has to punish sin. You know, in re, uh, a couple of years ago, in Minneapolis, sadly, the Mennonites, and Mennonites are Christians, but I wonder about this group, some group of Mennonite pastors here in the Twin Cities put on a, a conference debunking the atonement of Christ, teaching, and, and here's, some of these people teach that it would be divine child abuse for God to punish Jesus for my sins. Well, it would be unless God, Jesus voluntarily took that punishment for us, which he did. So, I mean, you'd, uh, pray for my sister. <laughs> I have a very liberal sister, and the worst thing she's ever said to me, she said a few years ago, she said, Tommy, I don't believe Jesus' death was the sacrifice for our sins. And she, she's been going to some United Church of Christ women's reading group, and I think they read people like Bishop Spong, uh, the heretic from the Episcopal Church who denies everything in the Bible. And I said to her, listen, if you don't believe Jesus is the sacrifice for your sins, you're not going to heaven when you die. Because if you reject his sacrifice for your sins when you die, you're the sacrifice for your sins in hell. I mean, this is kind of a crazy thing. The, the atonement has been always believed by the church. Now we have people in the church, like Bishop Spong, denying the atonement. Next truth of God's word. Jesus' body rose from the dead. He didn't spiritually rise from the dead. He physically rose from the dead, which is why he says in Luke chapter 23, disciples touch and see me. They thought he was a ghost. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. It's crucial to believe his body rose from the dead. Now here's the subtle lie from the devil that's being taught in some seminaries. Jesus symbolically rose in the hearts of his disciples. <laughs> Again, I'm quoting Methodist Bishop Sprague. <clears throat> I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but I cannot believe that his resurrection involved the resuscitation of his physical body. In other words, Jesus symbolically rose from the dead. He lives in the hearts of the disciples, but did his body actually get up? Was his grave empty? Of course not. Well, you deny that one, you're losing your salvation. Here's what Paul wrote, Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you deny the resurrection of Christ, you've lost your salvation. I, I, rem I remember when I was a student at seminary, Luther Theological Seminary, kind of a liberal place. Back then, there were still a fair number of conservative professors. I remember good old Professor Frost, older professor, one day a more liberal student, I think, put up his hand, Professor Frost, do you have to believe in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus to be saved? And 
Bishop, uh, uh, Professor Frost looked at the young man and said, son, you don't play with that one. <laughs> you don't play with that one. If you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you make it spiritual or symbolic, you're, you're playing with your salvation on that one. Sadly, again, when I was an ELCA pastor, the bishop, my bishop back then, is going to bring in Marcus Borg, Episcopal heretic, to speak to the pastor's conference of Lutheran pastors. I wrote the bishop a letter. Bishop, Marcus Borg does not believe Jesus rose from the dead. Are we trying to promote error in our synod? And he wrote me back, well, he, he, he has a deep faith in Jesus. Well, my friend, I, I wouldn't go. A friend of mine went to that conference, 200 Lutheran pastors. Marcus Borg denies the resurrection of Christ in front of them. Nobody said a peep. Next truth of God's word. The Bible is the true inspired word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says God breathed the scriptures. That's what the word inspired means. All scripture is breathed out or inspired by God. Churches always believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Here is the devil's lie, the counterfeit. Again, from our Methodist Bishop Sprague. I believe Jesus is the Messiah, but I do not believe in the myth of the virgin birth. A theological myth is not a false presentation, but a valid and quite persuasive literary device employed to point to ultimate truth that can only be insinuated symbolically and never depicted exhaustively. The myth of the virgin birth was not intended as historical fact. So here we have a bishop saying the Bible has myth in it. I went to a Methodist church once. This could have been a Lutheran church. Like I said, I went to Luther Theological Seminary, the biggest ELCA seminary in the country. When I was there, but especially now, I said to a, a person I know who's on the faculty at Luther, do half of our professors at Luther Seminary training Lutheran pastors to be, do half of the Lutheran professors there still believe in the virgin birth of Christ? And he said, oh no, way less than half. Boy, that grieved me. We have professors in our seminaries. We have pastors and bishops who believe the Bible contains myth, which is why the ELCA Lutheran Church, or the Presbyterian Church USA, or the Episcopal Church in America, or the United Church of Christ, they can all ordain practicing homosexuals. Why? Because the Bible's wrong. Next truth of the Bible. God does not change. There's something called moral absolutes. Truth doesn't change from age to age. We get this from Malachi 3. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Or Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, there's something called moral absolutes. That's the truth. Now here's Satan's lie. Truth is relative. Things change. What was wrong back in the Bible? They might be fine now. So years ago, I'm talking with a very liberal Lutheran pastor, and he thinks homosexual behavior is fine as long as you love each other. And I said to him, basically, where's that in the Bible? My Bible says, and I put it before him, Romans chapter 1 teaches that for a man to have sex with a man or for a woman to have sex with a woman is a sin. And you know what he said to me? Well, that's what the Bible says, but we know more today about homosexuality than the Apostle Paul knew when he wrote Romans chapter 1. In other words, truth is relative. You know, I've got my truth, you've got your truth, but 
Truth is relative. No, listen. Let's say that you and I go to the top of the IDS building in downtown Minneapolis. You tell me you're going to jump. I say, don't jump. There's this thing called gravity. And if you jump, you're going to die. And you say to me, well, I'm, gra I'm glad gravity works for you. Gravity is, gravity is not my truth. It doesn't work for me. And so you jump and you die. Listen, no, no. Truth is truth whether you like it or not. You don't make up the truth. God has revealed absolute truth in his word. The reason our culture is dying is because we believe in what's called relativism. You make up your own truth, says Oprah. Well, that's, that, she didn't quite put it that way, but that's her point. No, you don't. Next, next truth of the Bible. Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods. The truth of the Bible is there's only one God and you don't mix in the other false gods. The Jews got in trouble in the Old Testament because they would worship the true God, Yahweh, and then they'd blend it with Baal worship and Asherah worship. I will tell you that I study the heresy in the church a lot. I think the worst one that I know about was a recent one. There is a Lutheran church in San Francisco that used to be called Ebenezer Lutheran Church. It's now called Her Church. They've, they've painted the church purple. And they worship the goddess because they don't like God the Father and Son. That's, that's sexist language. The pastor leads them in worshiping the goddess. Get this. I'm not making this up. This woman pastor takes her women on a retreat, gives them each a little piece of clay so they can make their own Asherah statue so they can worship the forbidden divine feminine. Do you know who Asherah was? Asherah was Baal's wife. You did not worship Baal or Asherah in the Old Testament. Here's a Lutheran pastor having women make their own little Asherah statue so they can worship the goddess. Aye. So the truth is, you don't worship other gods. Here's Satan's lie today. It's called syncretism, which is we all worship the same god. You just mix them all together. You know, Jews, Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, we all really worship the same god. Well... Uh, again, I remember one year going to our Lutheran convention, and if you're Missouri Synod Lutheran, you don't do this, but we're talking the ELCA. They had us pray to the north, then pray to the south, this, then to the east, and then to the west. We were pattering our prayers after Native American spirituality, and, and, and what the church is doing, sadly, in some circles, they're mixing all the religions together, which is why you have yoga now in some Christian churches. And again, back to her church in San Francisco, get this, two weeks ago, they had a womanist, feminist conference at that church, and Pastor Stacy uh, was one of the speakers, I believe. They brought in a pagan priestess of Isis to speak at the church. Do you know who Isis was? She was the Egyptian pagan goddess from like 2000 BC. They bring in a priestess of Isis to speak at the same convention. And you know what's most tragic? People complained about this, the National Church headquarters in Chicago in the ELCA website defended her church and the conference. Ay, ay, ay. Do, do Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, do we all worship the same God? Well, get this. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is God. You're a heretic if you don't believe Jesus is God. Muslims believe he is not God. You're a heretic if you do believe he's God. Tell me how we're worshiping the same God. We're not. The only religion that worships the Holy Trinity is the Christian religion. Well, one last question, and then, then we'll go to Q&A here. 
how can I protect myself? There's so many satanic counterfeits in our culture. Watch TV, watch the women on The View, watch Ellen DeGeneres. You know, there's so much deception in our culture. How can I protect myself? How can I protect my children? Well, quickly, just do a few things. Number one, read your Bible every day. Read your, I, I, I think I've said this on a previous show, but my dad ran the racetrack in Omaha. My job uh, when I was a teenager was to count the money in the back room, and I'd count money all day long, and all of a sudden something felt funny, and you looked at it, and it was a counterfeit. But the reason I could, I could spot the counterfeit is because I knew the genuine item so well. If you will read this book regularly, get the feel of this between your fingers, you're going to be able to spot satanic counterfeit in our culture. Read your Bible. <laughs> Second thing to do to protect yourself, regularly attend a Bible-preaching church. Maybe you go to a good Lutheran church or a good Methodist church. There are great churches. Maybe you go to a horrible Methodist church, a horrible Lutheran church. Make sure you're going to a Bible-preaching church. And like I said uh, in our previous show, easy to spot them. Ask the pastor after church, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, pastor? Is there a heaven and a hell, pastor? Do you believe the Bible is the infallible word of God, pastor? Tell me, pastor, do you believe in the virgin birth of Christ? And what do you believe about premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality? And if you get a lot of tap dancing, find another church. Third thing to do to protect yourself, read a book on church history. Go to a Christian bookstore, buy any book on a history of the Christian church, or buy a book on the cults. I mean, these false teachings that Satan is putting in our face today in the 21st century, uh, they've been around forever. Read some church history. Also, to protect yourself, pray. How often do you pray for the Christian church? Boy, do we need to be praying for the Christian church. There's an old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Today, mainline Protestant churches are falling for anything. <laughs> and another way to protect yourself, be in close-knit Christian fellowship. I hope you all go to church, but going to church one hour on Sunday morning won't quite do it. Get into a small group. Be in a Bible study with people. Um, I, I love the fact that there's these recovery, celebrate recovery churches now all over the country. There's a number in Minneapolis. If you have an addiction problem to pornography, alcohol, drugs, whatever, there's all these churches popping up around America where they worship in a large group, but then you get in your small group, you pray for each other, you hold each other accountable. People are getting victory that have never had victory before. So get in some close-knit Christian fellowship. Uh, Emmanuel Christian Center, I guess 500 people, I was told, are at their Celebrate Recovery service in Fridley. And then, quickly, take advantage of Christian radio. There's great Christian radio here in the Twin Cities, uh, great Christian teaching, Christian TV. Most of it's good, some of it's weird, but uh, do that. And then the last thing, again, beware of television. Too much time in front of the TV set will rot your mind. Beware of television. I'll, I'll close with this. <laughs> um, a woman gets converted. And... A friend at work says, well, what's the difference now between you and me now that you're a Christian? And the woman said, just one letter. You love the world. I love the word. The way to protect yourself from all the satanic counterfeits in our culture is question the world and love, respect, treasure, read the word and be in a good Bible-preaching church where other people believe the same. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, 
you've spent this whole show talking kind of about heresy. Mm -hmm. Where did heresy come from? How old is heresy? Mm -hmm. I mean, was mm -hmm. it in Old Testament? It was. It, the heretics in the Old Testament were the Jewish leaders, and some of the, you know, you read the book of Kings, there'd be a great king, the next guy would be horrible. So it went back and forth all through Jewish history. The heresy of the Old Testament was, you can worship the true God, Yahweh, and you can worship Baal, Asherah, all these other false gods. You mix them all together. It's called sin. S syncretism means with. You, you mix everything with everything. So it's been around, Jackie, for thousands of years. It, it isn't just a modern day thing. No, but I will tell you this. When you were a little girl and I was a little boy, you would not have had a pastor, a, a bishop, open his Lutheran convention in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, feminism and, and that deception had not taken over the church like it is today. Okay, you use the term heretic. Mm -hmm. A heretic is a person who professes the heresies? Right, yeah. Heretics, sadly, they're inside the church. I mean, non, a, 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 a Buddhist is not a heretic. He's a non-Christian practitioner of a non-Christian religion. I mean, he doesn't believe what he should, but he doesn't claim to be Christian. The sneaky thing about heresy, it's inside the church. These people say they're bishops. They say they're pastors. Bishop Spong of the Episcopal Church doesn't believe in the Trinity, doesn't believe Jesus rose from the dead, doesn't believe Jesus is a sacrifice for our sins, and he is a bishop in the Episcopal Church, selling lots of books. So how did we allow this to happen to the church? You know, this, it, it, that's the $100 question, Jackie, and, and probably the quick answer is for the Protestants, and there's, there's heresy in the Catholic Church too, there, there are some groups of nuns here in the Twin Cities, and I read through their course offerings every year, New Age weirdness to the hilt where they're worshiping the goddess, and they're doing all kinds of New Age practices. So it's in the Catholic Church, it's in the Protestant Church. For the Protestants, it started in Germany about 150 years ago, what they call higher critical method, where these scholars, these seminaries started to tear down the Bible, and it came overseas back in the 1900s, and today we've got what we've got. So is there any religion that doesn't I, have heresy? Uh, well, no, there's heresy in every religion. I will say the evangelical churches, are holding to scripture. The other Lutheran denominations, not the ELCA so much, but Missouri Synod, uh, they're holding. That. So there, there's, there's good branches of Methodism, good, but sadly, the big ones, the ELCA, the United Methodists, the Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church, the big uh, branches of the denominations are in trouble. Okay, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. We also want to thank you for your support for this ministry. And at the end of the program, we'd ask you to check out our website to find out what we can, you can do to help us even more. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. 
Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.